welcome to the Center of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, still kicking, Mark Kuhn, and my brother, oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Yep. Yep. And, yep. and my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. Contrary to some chatter on Twitter, uh, the three of us are still alive and well. No coronavirus. We took a short hiatus. You know, got to take a break every once in a while. But we are back, and we are talking free agency. We are talking... The Browns. Plenty of stuff has gone on since the last time. Yeah, there's talked. a tornado. There's a world <laughs> pandemic. Free agency. A new CBA. Good gracious. It's only been like two weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But first, what, we, what the people really want to hear is they want to hear Grandpa's thoughts on all of these developments that have just recently happened. So we like to call our grandfather, um, and, and we like to talk to him about the Browns. He didn't have much to say about the Browns today, but he had a lot to say about everything that's going on in the world. So I hope you enjoy that conversation. Hello. Hey, Grandpa, it's Matthew. How are you? Hello, Matthew. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing good. You, you, <laughs> you sound good on your new iPhone. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm I'm learning uh, learning a little bit more about it every day. Yeah, learning learning the way to struggle my way around it. Yeah, I mean, going from a flip phone to uh, a current generation iPhone is quite a quite a transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just didn't realize how much there is to do with this thing. You know, uh, the other the other day I got on I got on. Uh, the time thing, like with the uh, stopwatch, yeah. I couldn't uh-huh. get out of the damn thing. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of the damn thing. I don't know what I did. Finally, finally, I got rid. Of, I got rid of it. I don't know how I did that. So every day is something new. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, how are you surviving down there in the villages? I mean, we're well, a good ways into this uh, epidemic. Yeah. Well, everything shut down here. Yeah, if there's any place that should be on high alert, I would think it would be there. Yeah, well, they say they say that the older people are more susceptible to this. So I don't know of any old people, but I guess <laughs> some, of, some of them are susceptible. You're in a sea of them, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, it's a it's. A, pretty bad when there's there's a run on toilet paper you know i mean everybody is it's like it's gold everybody there was on a tv the other day there's three women fighting in the aisle over a buy or a, a pack that turned that one package but a, a carton of toilet paper you know yeah uh, I, <laughs> I, I i don't know i don't i don't do you do you, do you use more in a situation like this that you don't do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, are you staying away from other people? Are you abiding by the social distancing um, recommendations? No, I'm a very social person. I'm not very social. Nancy was shopping, shopping all day today. She got gone for five hours and bought about $3 worth of stuff. Yeah, this gal can really shop. I'll say that. All three of us are working from home. Yeah, at the time being. So, and I have a little house. It's a small house, (laughs) full of of radon, and it's full of radon. They're like, "Oh, you need to work from home." I'm like, "My home is poison." (laughs) Radon. That that that, nothing's full of radon anymore. 
Oh, oh, contraire, grandfather. <laughs> My basement is full of radon. Listen, Chalk 20 years full ago, of it. They, 20 years ago, everything was just the same as it was now. You had radon <laughs> then. Nobody gave a damn. They didn't even know about it. Now all of a sudden it's a problem. It causes you know? lung cancer, Grandpa. <laughs> they, they didn't know that because I just always assumed it was from everybody smoking. Just like, yeah, <laughs> just like a bunch of years ago, everyone was smoking cigarettes you, and no one gave a crap. What you don't know about can't hurt you, right? <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, we're all working from home. It's just, it's just a crazy time. Uh. Well, I don't know what this is going to do to my football season. Well, what do you I've think? Made, the Browns made a couple signings. What do you think? I didn't see anything. I, I, I Brady, Brady's got the front page. I said uh, the email. Brady's a big thing going to uh, Tampa. Come on, you don't read the Plain Dealer online and check that Browns page every once in a while. Yeah, I go to I got I go to Browns page, but I haven't the last couple of days. I haven't because I've been tied up with other things. But I know they're looking for a couple of tackles, uh, left tackle. But I I even uh, have they made any free agent trades? Yeah, so we signed we signed Jack Conklin, who's the right tackle from the Titans. Oh, really? He, he was supposed to be one of the top the top guys they wanted. Yeah, so he's he was the, the he's the best tackle available. He, in free he was agency. the best one available. Yeah, I mean, even out of the bunch that was there, he was supposed to be. He was purported to be the best one available. Yeah, yeah. so so he'll probably be our right tackle because that's what he's played. Um, yeah. down there in Tennessee. And then we signed Austin Hooper, the, the tight end from Atlanta, um, to a four-year, $44 million deal. Um, so he's the highest-paid tight end in the league now. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> well, we, we got some ammunition. We got to start using it, huh? <laughs> yeah, and then for a backup quarterback for Baker, they signed Case Keenum. They did sign him, huh? Yeah. I know there was... I was reading that they were talking about signing him, and one's going to be relegated to being a backup and wasn't going to make any waves and could probably help Mayfield, you know, and probably this is why they got this guy. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, Then we traded for a fullback from the, the Denver Broncos. Andy Janovich. Andy Janovich. And then we signed a linebacker and a safety. Um, right, right before we called you here. You know, know what Andy Janovich is known for? Grandpa will appreciate this. Well, Andy Janovich is a big fan of Bush Light. <laughs> Bush Light. Yep. What's that got to do with me? What do you mean? What's it got to do with you? You've put it through a few Bush Lights back in your day. No. <laughs> No, Grandpa, no, Grandpa loves the Milwaukee's, okay, Milwaukee's Best. All right, yeah. for the last 10 years, you've drank Budweiser, but before that, it was Milwaukee's Best and Milwaukee's Best Ice, and I know there was some Bush Light in there whenever I was no, a kid. It was, opened it's, your it's possible I a couple Bush Lights slipped some, in there, Grandpa. <laughs> Miller, Miller, Miller Draft sometimes I drank, but I, I never drank light beer. And as, as a matter of fact, I've been so good lately that I don't even hardly drink any beer anymore. Because I can't get any decent beer unless I buy it in a bottle. And I like Budweiser, and most places don't even have it around here. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Budweiser? Most places don't have Budweiser? It's like the most accessible beer in the country. Or is that just what Nancy's telling you? <laughs> well, I think that, I think that uh, this uh, dingling, I think that, uh, I think that they've made some agreements with all these places around here and said, hey, we're going to give you one hell of a price on 
on beer if you if you don't put any other beer in here. And everybody's got dingling on draft, you know. That's and yingling. You pour it out, it's poured out. It's it's like it's like uh, uh, like the cold tea. There isn't there isn't a, a head on it whatsoever. It's flat. <laughs> hey, Grandpa, guess what Michael's like drinking flat. right now? I don't like flat beer. Guess what Michael's drinking right now, Grandpa? What? He's not, drinking. Not dingling. He's. <laughs> Huh? Yep, he's drinking a dingling. Uh, is it Michael on the I road? Is I work it, at a church. Is, is, weren't they on the road going to Lakeland? Um, we actually decided not to go to Lakeland either. We went to Jacksonville, um, spent a couple of days, and ended up canning the rest of the trip, and we drove yeah, back yesterday. Well, yeah, that's probably the smart thing to do because things are getting really bad, and I think that we haven't we haven't even begun to see how bad this thing is going to be. This is this is going to end up in a depression, not a recession. We might end up in a, in a worldwide depression here with this thing. Grandpa, um, what, tell us about um, when you were alive during the Great Depression. <laughs> what? Don't get smart. You're <laughs> giving you a hard time. You know, you know <laughs> I, I told you, rotten grandkids. If it wasn't for me, you none of you would be here. You know, you're absolutely right, and I'm thankful for it. <laughs> Don't forget it. <laughs> I'm the catalyst. <laughs> yes, you are. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> I have to keep reminding you. <laughs> um, All right. <laughs> they like to call me up and bust my chops. You know, I have to, I have to straighten out once in a while. We do the same thing to your son. <laughs> well, Grandpa, you and Nancy, please be smart. Don't <laughs> we stay home? We don't go anywhere. <laughs> and we're, we're, we stay home. We watch movies after dinner. We don't go outside. <laughs> yeah, keep it that way. It's 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 a it's a it's a tough thing to get used to. But you know, we had all kinds of plans. We're gonna we're gonna go and we're gonna play about three or four holes of golf. After dinner, when you're just about to take the last, the last key time at one of these par three courses and stuff like that, well, that goes down a dumper. We can't do that now, and that was one of our big plans to do that, you know. But well, we took a golf cart drive today. <laughs> <laughs> that hey, that sounds like a good highlight. There you go. <laughs> yeah, being out in open space is fine. That's all well and good. <laughs> So, mm. all right. Well, I hope I hope your families are all right, and I, I'm I'm sure the kids will all be all right if you keep them sequestered. And... So, yeah, just just put them in a box, Michael. Yeah. That's real <laughs> easy <laughs> to do. Seal them away. Well, it's a, it's a it's a it's a sad sad thing to address, but I mean, uh, it's hard to hard hard to keep kids away from other kids. But I don't know. You got to do what you got to do sometimes, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, guys. good talking to you. Okay, guys. See you guys. Go Browns. Go, Go Browns. Browns. <laughs> okay. Thanks for calling. Bye. Bye. Grandpa is not optimistic about this next season of life with the coronavirus. The, the years have weathered him, and he believes that only bad things are coming from all of this craziness. It, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It is crazy. I would love to hear from you, and I would love for you guys to tell the people, our listeners, 
how are you guys practicing your social distancing? You guys uh, being good citizens? Yes, I think. I, everyone, I think everyone, ha- the funny thing to me is everyone has a very different definition of like what the isolation and social distancing means. Like to me, it's not going into like large crowds of people. It's not like having unnecessary contact with people. And we're pretty much staying at home, but it's not not seeing people like we very much enjoyed going on walks around the neighborhood and like having conversations out in the road and like in the driveway with like our neighbors and we're not hesitating to do that sort of thing. You know, and French and people and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> on our mouth walks. kissing Tom Brady style. <laughs> <laughs> what do I get? Amazing. Yeah, no, I was actually thinking about that, thinking about coming here and doing some other stuff this week and being like, because you have to think about like what you're what you're yes. doing and like be conscious and aware of it. So I was like, "All right, podcast room with my two brothers yes. sitting at a table." No, I, I think I think that fits within the the guidelines. Like we're six feet apart, we're doing whatever. We're eh, me and Michael are pretty close. Yeah, <laughs> y'all are y'all are a little more close, like five and a half. Yeah, but. That's that's what we're trying to do. I mean, my my wife and I were up up at the lake for the the last like four days. That was a, a little bit of just like a, a getaway. We didn't have to worry about Easy, social distancing. Matthew, stop but... flexing. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to. We invited you. We invited you, and you turned us down. So I don't want to hear it. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, it's been a while. You guys all working from home. We're all working from home. I'm sure you guys are too. Yeah. I mean, how does the NFL just keep getting breaks though? Like this happens like in their off season where like, I mean, it could definitely affect the NFL season, but it's not affecting the NFL season like it's affecting every other sport. Ugh. NBA. I are feel they bad for the up? XFL. Like yeah. XFL first season, you're starting to build momentum. Had a reasonably good first couple weeks as far as ratings and attendance. And XFL's and a bad just, one. I think put. about I think about the college basketball teams like the Dayton Flyers that 14. are having one of their like best ever seasons and are ready to go into the postseason and actually do something. Just pull a UCF, crown yourself the national champs, and move on. <laughs> Absolutely, you get I mean, a fl- you get some well. flack for a little while, but then you know, ten years from now, you have that natty. Yeah. Exactly. Look back with that natty. That <laughs> banner still gets hung. <laughs> oh man! And what I a mean, story you'll have to tell. <gasps> Man. Yeah, for Dayton, it sucks the worst. Uh, for college basketball, not having the March Madness tournament hurts pretty bad for me, personally. Yeah, well, this- it's, it's just been wild. I mean, my wife works in the college sports, like mm-hmm. big-time college sports. And so just talking with her and her being on the front lines of all of these things getting canceled and it, it going to no fans, and then two, two days later, everything's canceled. It's just the trickle-down effect. I feel like as soon as Rudy Gobert tested positive for for coronavirus, that like sparked everybody into action. And am I right about this? Didn't Rudy like go around and like touch his mouth to the mics and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, he touched every single microphone with at a press conference with his hands as a joke, and then he yeah. had it. Yeah, jokes on you. Have we followed that? Is it like have those reporters and those announcers tested positive, or did that? Can we pin that on him? I don't think there's been much of it, but I mean, there's been at least Donovan Mitchell from his team tested positive. And Which the reports there's... were that Donovan Mitchell was pissed because apparently 
Rudy was did similar was things being then. a dick and an asshole about the whole situation. And so like everybody in that locker room knows that it was Rudy's fault that Donovan got it because Rudy was just being a clown. Yeah. I, I mean, Which I will be an interesting situation going like. forward. Like by all accounts, Donovan Mitchell is fairly asymptomatic, like not struggling through this or at, at his health is not really at risk at this point, but still I would be, I'd be pretty, pretty peeved. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, this is, a, this is a football podcast and these cancellations have affected um, the NFL in a number of ways, specifically and most notably the NFL draft. So the NFL draft was going to be in Vegas and it got canceled. So it's no longer going to be in Vegas. These, this is going to be a completely the, the draft is still happening. It is still happening, but it is not As happening to the same degree that it was going to be happening. And I'm so glad it's happening. Like we need something to look at. For, so just personally, I'm glad it's happening. But also, it is an event that really can go off without, without like, human to human contact. Exactly. Yeah. Like it is. If there's anything that can happen without like the you know with social distancing practices being in place and like and. It's the NFL draft. We're going back to the 80s version of the NFL draft, baby, where nobody was there. Yeah, have you, well, man, have you seen that? I'm, that's th- making me think of the 30 for 30 of the like, 1983 um, yeah. like quarterback class. They're in like a, a They're hotel, in like a ball hotel ballroom. <laughs> they're just at yeah. the Hilton down the road. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> which like, that's what they're going to do. They're going to be in like the NFL films or like NFL network studios or something and set up, you know, a little draft stage. And Roger Goodell will come out and probably call them still, and they'll probably have cameras at each like facility, and they can have a couple executives or something like come through, and they'll they'll do something. Yeah, I bet they do. I bet they do it all remotely, and each of the teams will decide what their draft room looks like at that at that yeah. point. But I mean, there's there's no point in having team personnel on site, and you're not having fans. You're not gonna. I feel bad for the kids who are being drafted. Yeah, they're and not going to have the whole experience. experience. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of people who are having to put, put things aside, which is unfortunate, but it's, it just is a weird, funny situation. Yeah, no, I'm glad it's going on. And, I mean, I'm as, about as big a draft fan as I think they, there is, and I think I'm going to be even more engaged this year. I'm going to consume every hour <laughs> of that draft coverage. I didn't even know it was possible to have more they, they should, engagement, but uh, it's coming. They should stretch it out over seven nights. All, do like each, eight, each round eight picks, of eight picks at a time? Like No, each round. Each round is a day. And we'll just we'll just go from there. Just stretch it out. Really it's the only thing it. on the sports calendar, so might as well take up a whole week. Well, that's another thing. I we were talking about it offline before we started on the podcast. How are the Browns going to handle this uniform announcement? Like I still haven't seen a date or anything for it. But all the way they do these things these days is they do a big party and they do all this stuff. That's clearly not happening. So they're I would imagine that their digital team is just like scrambling for how do we make this announcement in these current in this current environment and maximizing it. Yeah, do do like a digital hang. Just get everybody on Second Life or. Or, or something. <laughs> How funny would it be if they like mailed if they mailed like the jerseys to each of the players and they like created their own video at home and like sent them in like reaction like, videos or, like YouTube reaction videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they could do some really cool stuff. Actually, they're like, oh shit, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst. I look terrible in brown. 
It could be there could be some good content I'm a, there. I'm excited. I I actually think this is all gonna work out great. So we, we yeah. we're gonna get to a free agent signings. They um have been reported, have not been announced because of the coronavirus concerns. Mm-hmm. Can't officially be announced. I can't, don't think they could this week anyway, because it's the legal tampering period. But well, today is today's the day. Season, yeah. Okay. Um but the, the teams have not been able to do a physical on the players that they're signing. So none of it has officially gone through. We might be able to make that announce those player announcements with the new jerseys, as opposed to some random old Jersey and then be like, Oh, just kidding. No, they're in the new ones. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. That Walk doesn't matter to me at all. I couldn't care. I, I always get annoyed when it's like, like we introduce OBJ and well, he's holding like the, I actually, the dumb. I actually stupid. just hate that they hold a jersey during those press well, conferences. But you, I think it's like super dumb. Don't you hate it even more that it's the jerseys that we hate? Like, like seeing someone and looking back at all the pictures of like, this is when OBJ was introduced. It's like, it's yeah. a great example. And he's holding that dumb jersey that we had yeah. for three years only. Yeah. And five. Like, five. It's been five. Has it been five years? Yes. yes. You have to have a jersey for five years. The NFL rules state that when you redesign, you have to keep it. It's for been five. five years. I thought it was God three. awful years. <laughs> My goodness, time flies. Yep. Yeah, but I don't want to look back and see OBJ holding that. It's miserable. But I understand that doesn't mean anything to you, Michael. But let's talk about these free agents. Let's talk about them. So we got Carl Joseph. Andrew Barry said he was going to be aggressive, and he's holding up his end it's of the bargain. True. We got one, two, three, four, five, four, and four three, three day five. one guys. Like I mean, I kind of feel like if you're putting chalking stuff up to the aggressive category, that's like day you're one getting, of free agency, yeah. like top of the market type type deals. And I think we got three of those. If you consider Keenum, Keenum a top of the market backup deal, which I, I mean, like that's kind of is the case. Like that's a position at in quarterback the NFL. position. Like yeah. it's not a starter, but it's a backup quarterback position. That's a top of the market backup quarterback Proved position. Quite important over the last couple of years. Yeah, but run, run through them. All right, so we got um, Carl Joseph. Um, no, sh- no, no, no. Start at the top. Give us the give start, us the sexy. Start, start with the good ones. Start with the good ones. Start with the Goodens. All right, we got Jack Conklin, which uh, Matthew mentioned on this podcast months ago as an as option. the guy that I wanted. Yeah. yeah. So Matthew's I'm, clearly like in on this. I'm pleased as punch. Jack Conklin's only 25. Came pleased out of Michigan as State, punch, folks. Yeah. First uh, drafted, I think it was the eighth overall pick in the 2015. The whatever the, the Corey Browns, Coleman draft. It was the Browns because yeah. we traded with the Titans. Pick. We. The Browns traded back. Um, Titans moved up, used that pick to take Jack Conklin. Has been really, really good when he's been on the field. He missed he missed most or all of a season, I can't remember, after he tore an ACL um, during a game. But when he's been on the field, he has been a premier tackle in this league. He's only 25. We signed him to a three-year deal for $42 million. Eric Flowers, the the wash-up guard now from the Giants who's played on a bunch of different teams, just signed a three-year $30 million deal with the Dolphins. I will pay an additional $4 million a year for Jack Conklin over Eric Flowers 
any day of the week. Absolutely. Yeah, Nate Solder's deal a couple years ago with the Giants was like sixteen and a half million dollars. Yeah. So I was pretty like I was pretty against Jack Conklin heading into this offseason because I fully expected him to make seventeen, eighteen million dollars a year, knowing how many teams need tackle help. And so when I heard that we signed him, particularly after it was already knowing that we were paying a top-of-the-market tight end deal with Austin Hooper, which we'll talk about in a second, I was terrified because I expected it to come in at, you know, three years, $54 million or something like that. And to know that it's only a $14 million a year annual average, like, that's a solid, solid, solid deal. And it's amazing to me that these NFL teams, and what it tells me is that NFL teams are able to still leverage against right tackles versus left tackles and the value difference between those two things, which is absolutely asinine. Like there is so much evidence to the fact that a right tackle and a left tackle are equally as valuable um, in today's NFL. And I mean, guys rush from either side. I mean, we could go into it for a long time, but, but the quarterback's not looking one way, Michael. I mean, Jack Conklin's a much better player than Nate Solder for sure. Um, in my opinion. Yeah. And he's getting paid a good bit less. And, and I, he's only 25. Oh, he's, he's 25. Oh. Sean Coleman was 25 when we drafted him. <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah. No, he's young. And one so of the things... Whedon. That, <laughs> yeah, no, no Whedon, Whedon was, was 28. 28. 28. Yeah. I mean, Conklin is going to be very, very good in the run game. He graded through the roof in zone runs and that is exactly the system that's coming into play so you can see the Stefanski influence in going after Conklin and Hooper who we'll talk about in a second and I think we're gonna Nick Chubb should be very happy is what I'm trying to say but um I the it remains to be seen how good he will be in pass coverage because he has been a weaker play of the different parts of his game he's a much better run blocker than a pass blocker and so it will be interesting to see. I mean, you pay a guy this Which much. Which is typical of a right tackle, like the stereotypical of a right tackle. Sure. He's the, the run blocker. What does signing Jack Conklin mean for the rest of this roster makeup and what we, what we need to do? Um, do we still need to go tackle at 10 yes. for sure to get, to get that left tackle? Yes. Or having three and a half spots solidified on the offensive line, does that free things up? I mean, I, wa- I know Jack Conklin's only played right tackle since he's been in the NFL, but he played left tackle, if I remember correctly, at Michigan State whenever he was coming out. That's the best bait and switch ever. And Sign so- him as a right tackle. <laughs> move him to left. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Bubba. You're playing left so, tackle. No, that's a legitimate question to me because of the four guys, you wonder somebody's probably going to be moving, right? I mean, Andrew Thomas is the only of the top four tackles in the draft that played pretty much exclusively at left tackle. Tristan Wirfs moved around and played both sides. Mekhi Becton moved around and played both sides. And um, You mean Mekhi? <laughs> are you going to die on that hill? No, I'm not. I just thought I didn't know this. Uh, Conklin started at Michigan State as a walk-on. Look at him. Which Overachiever. Is, that's incredible. Well, that's awesome. Well that done. is impressive. That's very impressive. Him and Bank. Uh, so I, I actually, I assume that Conklin's going to play right tackle, but 
But I don't know that that is set in stone by any means. And I think a lot of that will be determined by whatever we do do in the draft and whoever we end up with. I mean, the only the starting left tackles as we speak today, starting tackles, I should say, are Kendall Lamb and Jack Conklin. Like, we don't really have anybody else. Maybe Drew Forbes is competing in there, but I am inclined to believe Drew Forbes is competing for a guard spot, uh, the right guard spot, not not a tackle spot at this point. You would think so. And then uh, Chris Hubbard's still on the roster. Does Chris Hubbard get cut? Chris Hubbard's not going to be on the roster. I, I wonder. The only reason I think they haven't got rid of him, and this is just my own speculation. I haven't heard anybody else saying this, so this may or may not be on base. But... I think they're looking to see how the tackle market shakes out and see if anybody was willing to trade for him and if they can get a late-round pick for the guy. Like, there's so many teams that need offensive line help. I mean, if somebody's paying $10 million a year for, uh, what's-his-face, the turnstile you were talking about? <laughs> Eric, Flowers, Eric Flowers. Who's playing guard now. Yeah, who and apparently he had a pretty decent season last year when he moved to guard. Under Bill Callahan, our offensive line coach in Washington... Um, so maybe he can turn Chris Hubbard around. But at any rate, I, I think they're looking to see if they can get something out of Chris Hubbard for a trade, and if not, they'll probably cut him um, in the in the coming weeks. Um, but I, it does kind of make me want like Andrew Thomas and be like even more comfortable with Andrew Thomas, the guy that you feel like real good with at left tackle. I think any of those guys can play left tackle. Jedrick Wills. You know, Tristan Wirfs, Mackay Beckett, any of those guys can move over and play left tackle. So it'll be interesting to me to see. Get the, like, get the, get the best athletes in there and then pick your five best linemen. And really, I don't care who it is. Yeah, I am excited because I do think that our offense is looking quite set now. After what we've done in the last couple of days in free agency, like if we plug in that Undeniably, final we're, tackle, we're almost if we plug in that final. Like yeah, in, yep. in in places we've we've got a lot, yeah. Um, which brings us to Austin our offense Hooper. is squared away. Yeah, we yeah. got we got Austin Hooper. He signed a a four year four d four million dollar contract, twenty three million guaranteed. Um, over the first two years, he was signed or drafted in two thousand sixteen out of Stanford. Um, and so highest paid tight end in the league. Yeah, Matthew, I think you're more excited about this than I am. Why are you excited about this? I'm excited about this because Austin Hooper is, again, another young player who's he's been in the league four years now, hit free agency. He's 26, I believe, 25. Yeah, he's real young. Um, real young, has been really productive. Um, has, when he's been held. 25, yeah. You you say when he's been healthy, I mean he's played he's played more than thirteen games each each year of of his career thus far. Um within Kevin Stefanski's offense, they utilize two tight end sets like way more than than the rest of the league. So if we can roll out Austin Hooper and David Njoku, I think their skill sets complement each other, but they're both also vertical threats on the field. Austin Hooper is a, a slightly better blocker than David Njoku is, which is not saying a ton because Njoku is no, not No, I think they're complementary players. The best. I think they're yeah. complementary players at tight end. But you can piece them together. And one of the things that was really interesting to me is I saw reports that the 
San Francisco 49ers were trying to sign Austin Hooper and pair him with um, Greg Little, George, George Kittle. Kittle. George Kittle. <laughs> Greg <there>. Little. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like, that's a nasty combination. And if, and like, Stefanski and Shanahan come from the same tree, yeah. like, they, they think about offensive football the same way. If Kyle Shanahan wanted to do that and was like, yes, <laughs> like, like, we can tear up the league doing that. I'm excited to see what Njoku and Austin Hooper can do because you put a ton of stress on a defense. If you, if you line up a solid five-man offensive line, two tight ends, Nick Chubb in the backfield, and OBJ and Jarvis out wide. Oh, our, yeah. Our offense is – What the hell are you going to do? Oh, like it'll like, be super interesting. It becomes like even more bland. interesting in like third-down situations when you might bring Kareem Hunt in and like he could run or he could wa- go out wa- – like, there's a- – You're going to put a lot of stress on a defense just from a personnel perspective. Oh man! Because there's, then you can. You there's can, not a point where you're not putting stress. Yeah, on the defense. you can take Najoku from a weapons line him, perspective, line him up in line, and then motion him out wide. And oh wait, your personnel that worked in line doesn't work now when Najoku's stacked on top of OBJ. Like the only piece luck. this defense, this offense doesn't have, is like a true vertical threat. There's not at like receiver. It would be awesome if we could get like a true vertical threat at receiver. As what's, like, what's Antonio Callaway doing? <laughs> no, but I th- I'm, that's true. And you don't want to use OBJ as like your your just nine route guy, right? But but OBJ has the speed to sure. do that when he's healthy. Sure, um, take the top off. But yeah, having somebody who that's their predominant skill set could be helpful. I can be talked into the Austin Hooper thing. The thing that it's like kind of like a value and like a trade-off thing. And I can see this in two different ways. Initially, I was a, not super excited about this because I like David Njoku, first of all. He's not um, going anywhere. He's not this year, but this is his last year yeah. under his deal. But he's controllable going well, yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we could pick up his... I guess we actually have to make a decision on that soon, don't we? A fifth-year option it's on fifth-year option. We got to decide if we're picking that up or not. Which I assume they will, because actually, with tight ends, it's not that expensive. It's not, it's not that expensive, and it's and it's not guaranteed. Like you can always cut them, and there's no. Does that change with the new CBA? There's some. It was on the table. Different, there's a change. difference with that in the new CBA. I think. Yeah, it might be. I need to look into that. They so might. They might that become better. Um, partially guaranteed. I I forget what that they ended up landing on. Um. Anyways. Um. And you're paying a top of the market guy for, you're paying a top of the market deal for a player that is not a top of the market player, and that's what free agency. That's what happens in free agency. Like he was the best tight end in free agency, and so he is going to have a new top of the market deal. But where but would you put about, him? There's about okay. Well, definitely behind George Kittle. Definitely behind Travis Kelsey. There's no doubt in sure. Those, so nobody's, nobody's there's argue. no doubt in those two. And then he's kind of in this like next tier with like a handful of other guys, I would say. But who who else is there? Because I think he's like clearly the the next guy. I don't think he's clearly the next guy. I mean, I would say Hunter Henry was probably if he had hit free agency, probably would have been more highly sought after than Austin Hooper. So I would put Hunter Henry in that same boat. I would put Darren Waller in the same boat. I would put um. There's the guys that are coming to mind off the top of my head. 
Yeah. I'm trying to get my brain back into fantasy world. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not a lot of other like hot commodities at tight end. And I, I think tight end is a position that's pretty indicative of scheme more than anything for, for their production value. And like I think Austin Hooper is going to be someone who, in our new scheme, we're going to be able to produce a lot with him. And they have a huge impact on the game. There's no doubt. Like, there's a reason that the two top tight ends that I just mentioned were on the two Super Bowl teams. Like, the, the undoubted, like, top tight ends in the game were the centerpieces in the receiving game for their yeah. two their yeah. two teams that went to the Super they were, Bowl. They were the best non-quarterback offensive players and, on their respective teams. And the craziest part about it is that the value for whatever reason for tight ends dollars-wise has been depressed years for years and years and years. And so the top tier wide receivers make about 20 million dollars a year. Like that's what Amari Cooper just signed for. But the top of the market tight end deal that we just set is 11 million dollars a year. So, like, that's a market inefficiency that I think does kind of make up for the fact that I don't view him as a top-tier tight end necessarily. And so I'm, that makes me much more comfortable with this situation. Um, and it, to your point, it does give us so many options. They it gave Amari Cooper five years, $100 million no, but it's in our, Dallas. But the structure is beautiful. Like, they have tons of control. It's like a two-year deal that they can get out of if they want. Amari Cooper got a bad deal. He could get a lot more than he got. If he'd hit the market, and Washington was offering him more. Washington was offering him like $22 million. What is guaranteed? Oh, but I wouldn't want to go to Washington. Right. I, I wouldn't have Wait, but he's it. received $60 million in guarantees. Uh, That's not a bad deal for Amari Cooper. But, but it might not be fully bad... guaranteed at signing. Right. It's, it's not a bad deal. There's no doubt. He could have done a lot better if he had... Um, gone elsewhere. Forty million fully guaranteed. Forty million. Yeah. Twenty million guaranteed for injury. Injury only. So they yeah. can cut him. And he doesn't get it. But if he's hurt, he gets it. Yeah. It's a really like clean deal too. It's like five years and each year is like twenty million. It's like a really like weird round number like contract yeah. that five like, years, you don't see hundred very million. Often. Yeah. Let's just put it there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's easy for the Coopers to budget. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, we know exactly what's coming in the door. <laughs> uh, so anyways, the, the Hooper thing, um, we'll see. I, I'm excited to see how they use him. It's clear that the Stefanski offense wants multiple tight ends that are capable. And outside of signing a guy like Austin Hooper, I don't know what the answer is. You know what I mean? And, and I, yeah. like, I don't know what the other alternative is because it's a crappy tight end draft. You know, like there's not top tier tight end talent in this draft. We've got David Njoku, but like I, you'd kind of be scraping by with whoever we've got. Whether well, it's, it's going to be Stephen Carlson, Carlson or you know whoever. Farrah Brown. I mean, like I in that sense, I think it is probably a really key important piece. And this Austin Hooper deal only has 23 million guaranteed on it. Mm-hmm. So ar- arguably, those that'll get burned through mostly in the first two years. Yeah, and Import- so if, importantly, if it, the Conklin and Hooper deals are both very front heavy, and so they will um, allow it'll us be to nice because in the coming in the next few years, you know, you've got Miles Garrett, you've got Baker Mayfield, and Denzel Ward going to be needing to get paid if we want to keep them around. And as that cap rises, we're going to have dollars freed up, and it's going to and the 
and the cap impact of these signings is going to lessen yeah. over time. Well, Looking forward to that, do you actually think that we're going to re-sign all three of them? Like, I, I, I have a feeling that Denzel Ward might fall through the cracks there. No. He will get re-signed if he stays healthy, unless he has like like debilitating injury or his play falls off significantly. I'm quite certain we're going to keep all three of those players. The cap, the cap is just moving up. Yeah, and, and that, and that impacted. There's no reason not to. And you can see how that impacted yeah. Hooper and Conklin's sense. deals. Like Conklin signed a three-year deal. He could have gone out and gotten uh, a seven-year contract if he wanted to. I would have signed a one-year deal if I was Conklin. I would have wanted to get franchise tagged by Tennessee if I was Conklin. Because I would want to wait two years until the CBA comes into full effect and everyone's salaries are going all the way up to be able to sign my long-term deal. So the CBA is one piece of it. The second piece is the new media deal coming in because that's where the new revenue is going to come in that's going to really skyrocket. So it's like it's two or three years away. It's uh, Yeah, exactly. That's why I want to play like Conklin, two years but, down the road. Conklin, I want two one-year deals. Conklin get franchise signed a twice. deal that got him pretty much top of the market money or close to it up until that point where the revenue skyrockets. Man, he's going to be freaking 28 years old. He's 28 years old, years old yeah. hitting the market again to sign a nice five, six-year deal, whatever he wants. Super smart. Yeah. Super smart. All right. And so see a Jack Conklin at that point. Like, Conklin's not going to be here more than three years, I, I, unless he's our left tackle. And that actually is it. a concern of mine. I was thinking about this. Think three years down the line. So Jack Conklin, you're saying right now is probably going to be gone at that point. I don't, I don't see how. I agree. If, if he's performing, I agree. You know who else's contracts come up right about that point? J.C. Treader just signed a three-year deal. That's crap. Joel Batonio, I think has two more deals left on his deal. Two more years, yeah. I it just scares me that the talent that we like feel good about on our offensive line all has concurrent contracts. Like that's that's going to be a a thing. In a couple of years, whenever our offensive line is all of a sudden like going to be hard to patch together, which is just going to the importance. If you can keep a Bill Built Callahan, if you can keep a Bill Callahan around, that's really helpful. And you just got to keep feeding the back end of talent and get new guys in there. But all those guys aren't necessarily going to be guys at at a point in their career where you want to keep them around. Like if we draft a left tackle, he'll. That'll ideally be a mainstay. Yep. We've got a right guard. If it's Wyatt Teller, if it's Drew Forbes, if it's somebody else that you find that comes through, that they're established at that point, and they're they're the new mainstay. And then you like start slowly filling in the pieces. I mean, we'll deal with three years down the road. That's it's it's fair that all those contracts come up, but, but you I, have three years I to think, manage. The I think situation. it'll play itself out to where there's one of those guys that you're like, nope, you could still play. We're going to bring you back. But the, the rest of the guys, it's going to make sense to, to move on from. And that's, what, that's a situation that good teams are in all the time where you, you've, you've got to move on from, from those guys. But um, salary cap's going to keep going up. And it's, it's going to be really interesting the next two years to see what these free agents do because yeah, you're not like- going to be one of locked into a long-term deal. No, not at all. It seems like the last two years, all we're talking about is if you want to make a run, you've got to be – in this salary cap measure, you're going to be super smart with your money, but all of a sudden it's going to be a completely different wild, wild west. Um, so we'll see. So we're talking about the Stefanski offense. So we have Austin Hooper to pair alongside David Njoku, and then we always knew that we were going to sign a fullback. And we did that. We uh, traded for Andy Janovich. Um, so uh, it seems to be a completely serviceable fullback. Um, I've seen some great pictures of him on social media. Um, looks like a guy who blocks people and blocks people well. Um, an athletic guy. 
um, can catch the ball, um, can run around and do everything that we need. Um, kind of like a poor man's uh, what's the guy in San Francisco? Uzcheck. Uzcheck. Like he's not he's not as good as Kyle Uzcheck is by any stretch of the imagination. Um, not as good as Uzcheck at all. But um, we'll be able to fill that gap and be able to do a lot um, from that fullback position, which is something that. Um, which is something that we knew Stefanski was going to do. So no surprise that we signed a fullback. Um, what do you guys think about – do you know anything about Janovich specifically? I mean, he's, he's athletic. He, I think he was the third-ranked fullback PFF last year, which is, which yeah, is great. Yeah, he was. There, there's not a lot of fullbacks like, in, in the league, so small, small sample size situation here. Um, but he's, he's effective. He's a young guy coming out of Nebraska three, four years ago. Uh, just recently re-upped with Denver on a three-year, it was like $8 million deal. No, no, no. Or $5 million dollar deal. No, I, I just looked it up. Mm-mm. It might be five, but it's and definitely not eight. Yeah, Contract. It might be 5.8. 5.7. Three years, $5.7 million deal. Um. And the reason he was expendable here is the, the Broncos changed their offensive scheme. So he was clearly valued in that scheme that he was in coming from. And now with Pat Shermer coming in to run their offense, Pat Shermer is not known for his extensive fullback use. So, or being a good head coach. Yeah, or <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's, it's not something that Pat Shermer is known for. Um, so I'm, ex- I'm excited to have Yanovich. I mean, there aren't a lot of fullbacks in the NFL that are proven. It's not necessarily a position you need to go out and find a guy who has, has proven that he can do it. But if you have a guy like Yanovich who's available and, and fills the need and is a uh, affordable option, I think it's great to bring that in. All right. So since he was signed in October, he hasn't played a year on his new deal. I think the Broncos paid his signing bonus. Yeah. So the Browns are only on the hook for, and the signing bonus was $1.35 million. So that means that the Browns are really only on the hook for about four and a half of this three years. So basically we get him for one and a half every year for three more years. Is, is that That's how worth I... the seventh round pick. That's nice. Had the yeah. new league year started yet? Yes. No, it was last. It, no, the trade happened yesterday, and the league year started today. Well, he got he got a signing bonus in twenty nineteen. I know. That'd be interesting to to look at because if if we've got him for for five point seven minus the signing bonus, that's it's a four and a half million. A it's a, what, a year and a half, uh, a million and a half each year. Yeah, I'll take it. No, that's what that's what's great about trading for players already under contract. Or yeah. who have just signed extensions, you can get you can get really good value on a average annual contract yep. situation. I'll take it. The only bummer is that guy that we took from the Vikings practice squad. He's like, "Dang it! Thought I was going to have the leg up on the fullback spot." Poor guy. It's Moving like- on. <laughs> um, so the other offensive, uh, could you call it a weapon? I don't know. We signed Case Keenum. Um, for three years, $18 million. Um, it's always nice to have your backup situation absolutely shored up. Certainly a surprise. Um, didn't know that. Um, you think that it was, was a surprise? 
Well, Case Keenum specifically, yeah, that was. A oh no, not. A I mean, it makes it makes sense. It makes sense with Stefanski. But I mean, we needed a backup. Like, was there anybody else you had in mind that you were thinking we might go after? No, there was no one in particular that I was thinking we were going after, but signing like a pretty expensive deal for a backup quarterback was not something that I thought we were going to be doing. It makes sense that we do it. I'm a fan of the fact that we do it. I don't have any problems with it specifically, but it wasn't something that I was anticipating happening. Case Keenum makes perfect sense with Kevin Stefanski and his ties to him, but uh, it was just kind of a surprise that it happened. I'm all for it. Got no problem with it, but go ahead. No, I was actually really hoping for Case Keenum specifically to happen. I mean, there's a bunch of other quarterbacks that are out there, but Case Keenum is, I mean, it sounds silly to say, but he's the same size as Baker Mayfield. <laughs> like, it, and I think that matters. Like, and he's played and he's won and he's been successful. And like, he's from Texas. In he what way in, do you think that matters? Because he has been successful in like, I think Case Keenum's role more than anything else is being another like positive voice in the room for Baker Mayfield. And they both have similar backgrounds. They both grew up and played high school in Texas. They're from Texas. Mm -hmm. They both played in air raid offense offenses in college. Yeah. They're the same size, so they have the same like Line of challenges vision, yeah. and everything like on that the field. That you can scheme around and you build your entire offense around and that. And so I I just love that they have similar makeups and you've got a veteran coming in that's been there one game is taking this team to the NFC championship um, to kind of guide things. And it's somebody you're going to feel good about if Baker happens to go down. Uh, but you're at the same time, you're not too worried about him. It's not a competition. Like it's like the perfect balance to me. And I think there's two schools of thought when it comes to backup quarterbacks in the NFL. You can either just can go with the old coach's philosophy of you're screwed. Old Tom Moore. You're screwed if your quarterback goes down <laughs> and it doesn't matter. up every time. It, <laughs> if your starting quarterback goes down, you're done. So it doesn't matter. Or you have a contingency plan and somebody that can actually step in and win you football games. And the Eagles won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago because they had that contingency plan of Absolutely. Nick Foles. And so I don't think one of those philosophies is right or wrong, necessarily. One seems wrong. I'm not going to lie. One seems wrong. But there's also the argument, like... But you would save $6 million. Yeah, we're, yes. we're spending I mean, we're $6, million $6 million on a player who might never see... In an ideal world, never sees the field. Yeah. But the way Michael phrased it as far as a contingency plan. Yes, we're overpaying for a back. We have a yeah. more expensive backup. But, so, like, but like the... The Ravens have a contingency plan, and it's Robert Griffin III. And, like, that is a not a ton of dollars, but it's a legitimate contingency plan, and he can do what is required of him. Um, yes, I completely agree. Yeah. What, what is your initial thoughts about the Case Keenum signing, Matthew? Were you surprised? It makes sense given the <coughs> – excuse me, got a frog in my throat. It makes sense given the, the connection with A Stefanski. corona in your throat? Yeah, I got a corona in my throat. Um, COVID-19. Like, COVID-19. I mean, one of us is going to get it, and it's not going to be a joke anymore. <laughs> I, if, it, if it's me, you can we still make it a joke. We might all get it. I think there's a decent if chance of us that most it, of us are going to get it. I'm not going to lie. I would like to just get it. I would like it to be over. If I get it, then I got it, and it's over, and then I cannot worry about it. That's great. Go wherever I want. Do whatever I want. Sounds good. There glorious. is something to that. Yeah. I just want to get it and be right. done. But here's the thing. Wouldn't you still carry the like 
I don't think you'd be contagious. Like no, after not- you recovered, I don't think you're contagious. If you touch you someone's be, face, but what if like you have it actively, and then like I interact with you, and then I go to somebody that doesn't have it? Wouldn't I still carry it to that person? But you would have to like touch their mouth or like. Like, I'm still not going to be shaking people's we are, hands. We are not giving out medical advice here on this podcast. No, but, but this is a legitimate question, right? No, so if I had it and just recovered... Just don't shake people's hands. If I had it and recovered... No Tom Brady kisses. I'm not contagious anymore. Yes. I can be contagious sure. before I'm symptomatic. You, but couldn't... couldn't if someone co- couldn't Michael's you be asking, a carrier? If someone coughed on yeah. your... Only, only so much... I don't think you can in your, like... Because the, the antibodies, you would also be giving them your immunity, too. That's the whole reason why we kiss people, is to, like, swap immunity. Like, is, so is that that's true? Why yes. we kiss people? Yes, that's the biological reason why we kiss, is to swap immunity. What reason do you kiss? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that seems like a personal problem. <laughs> We've married five and a half years. <laughs> yeah, we honestly don't know. I, I don't know either. Um, no, but that's... No, I mean it makes sense. From but back to case the case Keenum signing. <laughs> Thank um, you for bringing us back. Yeah, I thought you were about to say. Okay, go ahead. But with the Kevin Stefanski connection, I mean Stefanski was there as the quarterback coach, I believe, the year that Keenum was there, um, rolling with the Vikings and took him to the NFC Championship game. Um, he's familiar with the system. He he is just a quarterback who's in that unique position in his career where this quarterback market that's flooded with veterans, he's a guy who's not probably looking for a starting job because he, if you read the cards right, you know that it's just not going to be there. So I, I, I do like the balance. I don't love paying $6 million for a backup quarterback. Um, it does kind of seem early to jump on this, given the nature of the quarterback market right now, and that there's, there's some fairly competent, accomplished quarterbacks that are still out there and available, and then the trickle-down effect of, of who, who that might make available. But all things considered, it's, it's kind of nice to know that if Baker goes down, we're not playing Drew Stanton. I like it. I, <laughs> I still do debate the value and whether it's worth paying. I mean, but Drew Stanton was making $4 million a year. Is it worth an extra two to get Case Keenum? Probably. Yeah, probably. Drew Stanton was making too much money, though. Absolutely. But yes, if you're just comparing those two things, yes, that is a great way to look at it, and it seems great for the Browns. You're looking at it with rose-colored glasses, though. But it does look great when you, yeah. when you phrase it that way. Um, Am I right about what Drew Sant was making? He, he signed, a, before the 2018 season, he signed a two-year, $6.5 million deal. Okay. So uh, he, he made nearly $4 million bit. last year from a cap hit. Okay. Anyways. All right. So our offense is really short up. That's basically what it's coming out. Once we get that, like, tackle, if we get a tackle at 10, like, we're going to be rolling. Yeah, but actually where we need players is on the defensive end of the football. And it's a desperate situation. Right up the middle. (laughs) Safeties and linebackers pretty much don't exist right now. We have one, our interior defensive line is is not deep. We have two players that are solid. Yeah, we need some depth. Which we've been beating that drum for over a year. You know who got, um, whose contract didn't get picked up today or in the last couple days? The pierogi prince. Jamie. 
Bring it back. I would love Jamie Meter back. He'd be on a one-year deal. One year, plug up one point five. Yeah, <laughs> no, it. it'd be a league minimum, probably. You think? Yeah, I bet. What is the league minimum now? It depends on how many years of service you. Have. Gotcha. So Pierogi's been he'd quite be, some time. He'd probably be making like eight hundred, something like that. I would bet. I mean, if I got offered it, I'd take it. Would if you got offered Matthew right now to make eight hundred thousand dollars to play defensive tackle in the NFL? Would you do it? <laughs> is it fully guaranteed? No, if how you get injured, if you get on, injured, you're out. How much weight could we put on Matthew between now and football season? <laughs> I don't. I honestly, I don't. So, know. for the listeners who aren't aren't uh, familiar, uh, I <laughs> I stand a good six four, so I've got the height. Uh, weigh 178 pounds currently. Um, so an all time high for sure. Yeah. No, it's been creeping up slowly ever since like junior year of high school. If um, I rip that shirt off right now, Matthew, that you're wearing, and you stood up and I walked to the other side of the room, I think I could count how many ribs you have. <laughs> Maybe. So there's no way I could get up to a defensive tackle weight. I'm not. So we're talking like six months between now and September yeah. football season. Can we get you to 250? No way. No. Not even close. I don't think I can. You can't. He's I tried don't think to force I can go food to 210. down. The problem is, is I don't even know if you can get allergy. over two hundred. The problem is, is that he has a milk and a whey allergy, so which is probably it doesn't the, help. It's it probably the help. reason for it, your size. No, I don't. I don't think I could get to. I, I mean, two hundred would be a would be a push. Yeah, no, I've tried to get over two hundred, and not even like healthy weight, like unhealthy weight, yeah. and I can't get over. No way, you can't get over two hundred. No, Michael can get over two hundred. No, <laughs> I can't get I'm, over two hundred. Dangerously close right now. <laughs> I sit at 185 no matter what I do. You can't get to 190? I've gotten to 190 like two times in my life. And I was just a despicable human being. I mean, it was in the last year, but it was like fast food, breakfast, lunch, Chipotle for dinner. <laughs> or pizza. Chipotle is not the worst decision. Lots of beer. No Beer. Exercise. Yes, I'm drinking a lot of beer. And I'm not getting over 200. Yeah, good for you. All right, let's get back to the Browns. Yeah. So, so to answer your question, yes. if there was enough guaranteed money in that deal, I would absolutely do it. But, but if, if I get injured and cut, there is a 100% chance that I get injured. So, yes, there is, in the preseason. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't make it through two practices. I would make it through one practice, probably. But maybe it's like a walkthrough, non-contact situation, and I can just like fake it. Hope so. Yeah. <laughs> It would be Joel, so. Can you imagine Joel Batonio facing up against Matthew? What position would you least like to play if you all of a sudden just got thrown into an center. NFL game? Center. Center with an, a, a nose tackle. Much, just oh fresh. yeah. There's too many things. There's that are a awful. lot going on. You you've got multiple things that they you're would, thinking about. Yeah, because Plus they would just right over your head. And they, they would, would run right over you. Oh and yeah. Everyone would, would know. Close. Everyone would see exactly what happened. You'd mess up the snap. Like, oh, oh, oh yeah. No, center would be the worst. Absolutely. No yeah, doubt. quarterback, you could roll out. I feel like I could roll out at least and throw it away. Yeah. If I was quarterback. <laughs> and then like, catch it, immediately roll out, get out of the pocket. At least some it. people at home would be like, yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Good play. <laughs> Good pay. Got rid of it. <laughs> you sticking with center too, Michael? Uh, yeah. Running From back a, would be pretty terrible, too. Yeah, because we're all just not even not close to quick twitch. Yeah. Like. <laughs> How you say slow twitch? Yeah. Um, 
Man, I do feel like being a kicker has the potential to be the most embarrassing. Like, oh, I, you wouldn't I, get hurt. I, There'd I be no physical harm involved. But, like, from a pure, like, demoralizing standpoint, no, I think that being a kicker and just really shanking something or, like, like kicking it right into your line or whatever might happen if I had to, like, attempt a 40-yard field goal... Like that would be pretty awful. Have no, you seen but there, there would be nothing worse than the emasculation of Aaron Donald just doing whatever Aaron Donald would do <laughs> like, to me. What <laughs> would Aaron Donald do to us? Like I would much rather kick a field goal into the back of my long snapper <laughs> than have Aaron Donald do whatever he would do to me. I'd literally think Aaron Donald could pick you up, throw you over the quarterback's head, and then sack yeah. the quarterback. No, he could sack he, you he with. Just, he could sack he, the quarterback with you. He could just like throw you on the quarterback. No, he would just lift me right, right. off the ground. Like, like, oh, he absolutely would. Like, I could not get low enough. Because... But like, but like, I'm saying like, snap three. Once he realizes how weak you are, and he's just trying to make a show out of you. Like, would what I, does he do? Would I have to wear like little blow ups on my arms <laughs> so people didn't know that my arms are like eight inches around? <laughs> um. Yeah, I think center is a, is a very great call. It'd be running very, back. It'd be emasculating. Like running back is also a close second. Practice squad running back might be the absolute worst. Ugh. Practice squad, you don't even get on the field in an NFL game. All right, let's talk about some of these defensive players that we signed. So we signed Kyle, Carl Joseph. I thought that was an interesting conversation. Um, we're gonna we signed Carl. No, I'm Joseph. saying finally we got defensive players. Oh, like gotcha. I was like so worried. <laughs> I always think that Michael never wants to go off any of sides. <laughs> I always think no. he's so upset whenever we talk about no, no. anything besides the Browns. No, that's not it at all. Okay, um, finally we signed. I was, I've, I've been sitting like nervous for at least twenty four hours because we have these huge holes at linebacker and safety, yep. and we just need competent players there. And I think we got a competent player with Carl Joseph. I don't think he's going to be killer. I don't think he's going to do hole. anything crazy. We clearly don't have a ton of faith in the guy. We only signed him to a one-year deal. But he's definitely an improvement over Morgan Burnett. He's probably going to play a strong safety, free safety. He's, he's a competent safety that we can throw out there with our starting defense. And I think our biggest hope at this point is that he stays healthy. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field too much. I think you looked mm-hmm. at it earlier. He hasn't played more than 13 games in any one season. And I remember when he came out in the draft a handful of years ago, you didn't get any testing on him. He was like a big projection because he wasn't able to like run or anything at the combine or at his pro day. And he looked great on tape, but you didn't know what you were getting from a health standpoint. And that's kind of proven to be the case throughout the NFL. So if we get lucky and get a full season out of Carl Joseph, I think that's a huge win. Do, is there any news on what that, the dollar amount for that deal is? That came out just before we started recording, and I have not seen it yet, and I've looked a few times, so I don't think we know what it is. I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy. I'd guess one year... 5.25 million dollars. I was going to say four and a half. You think 5.25, and you said before the podcast that you thought that HaHa Clinton Dix would only make six. Yep. And you think he makes 5.25? Yeah, because a one-year deal when you sign a when you sign a one-year deal, you get an increased amount. Yeah, that's kind of like the nature of how that works. So that's kind of that's where my thinking is on that. Okay, that's fair. So we got Carl Joseph. What do you guys think we do at the other safety spot? Because we still have a huge hole there. We we filled one, but we still only have 
We have a Sheldrick Sheldrick Redwine shaped and, hole, right? Yeah, and we we don't want him playing. So there's been a ton of rumors about Anthony Harris, potentially a trade for Anthony Harris. Um, what do you guys think we do to fill that other safety spot? On the surface, I would... I, I mean, I like the player, Anthony Harris. I would love him to be on our team, no doubt. What it would take to get Anthony Harris, I don't know, is worth it at the safety position. Um, what do you think it would be, like a third-round pick? I, mean, I think it's third. third. Maybe it's a fourth round. I don't know. Either way, but then you're, you're giving up that draft pick compensation, and then you're having to sign a top-of-the-market deal. And I just don't know if that is good value. I, I think I'd rather get another veteran safety that we can throw back there and draft somebody. And so then you've got red wine, you've got two veteran safeties, and you've got another rookie coming in. And the, that's, your, that's your four safety core that you're working with. I mean, I, I, that would probably be my preference at this particular juncture. And that veteran safety, we talked about HaHa Clinton-Dix. I would love to see HaHa Clinton-Dix as the other safety, whether they sign him on a short-term deal or a little bit longer. I don't think he's going to be all that expensive either. What do you think, Matthew? What, not necessarily what do you think, but what do you want? Ooh. We need something. Yeah, we need something. I just don't want to be in a position like we were last year where we get uh, <clears throat> a veteran that doesn't really work out. And to be completely fair to Morgan Burnett, he got hurt, but that's part of his whole deal. Um, I think it would be great if it fell to us where our our uh, second-round draft pick was a, a safety that you felt could come in and make an impact right away. You get a lower-end free agent. You've got red one there as a body playing special teams, and like maybe if he takes a step up, could contribute in the base defense. But you've, you've got a guy who you feel good about at the front end of that second round. I, I think that would fill a great hole. So. Did you guys see another hole we have in our defensive secondary is at nickel. We don't really have a nickel. Eric Murray signed a big deal. I was just about to bring that up. That's what I was really? leading into. What do you think? So if you haven't seen it. What? Well, if you haven't seen it. I have not. He signed a three-year contract. With the Texans. That kind of gives it away. <laughs> the Texans are, yeah, the brunt of a lot of jokes these days. But what would you expect Eric Murray to have signed for? They had, to, they had to trade some players away to create the. I mean, we space. kind of already gave it away that it was like a bigger deal, but like, what would you have reasonably expected Eric Murray to sign for? What did we have him for last year? It was a one-year. Well, he was kind of at the end of his year? rookie deal. He was at the end of his rookie deal. Okay. We traded Emmanuel Ogba for him. Yeah. It was his like fifth. Yeah, it was his last. I mean, year. we're talking about Ha Hawkland Dix for six million. Like, I that would be excessive to me, a six million dollar deal. Uh, some somewhere around there, seven million, eight million would still. I would say seven million. Seven million is what I'm gonna say for someone who started the entire year. Like that's that was a starting position for another team in He's, free agency. The, you, you're right on target. You're right on target. Tw- it, three year, twenty point two five million dollars. But Trey Boston signed for three years, eighteen million dollars. Well, I think Tra- I think I think Trey Boston is a. That is a great deal. I would have loved to have done that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know who else signed for a great deal? Justin Burris. 
Two years, $8 million. With the Panthers, right? With, yeah. He and Trey Boston are going to be doing their thing. I just, that's why fr- free agency is just the worst. Free agency is just the worst. Like, we know that you do not want to pay those people that much money. I mean, Justin Burst could end up being the next uh, Jordan Poyer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me at all. Justin Burst played well whenever he had to play for us last year. I, I think he could end up being just fine. Yeah, I wouldn't want to pay him free agent money. <laughs> I, I I liked having him on a yeah a, a cheap deal as a good infill. Uh, no safe. I mean, I think you, it's undervalued. You saw the jokes on Twitter about the the safety room and Sheldrick Redwine being the only one in there, <laughs> and uh, people people tweet about that. Um, even with this Carl Joseph signing, I mean, we've got we've still got work to do, and absolutely, it's, it's a combination of. Uh, we need red wine to step up. We need, and we need a couple more additions, both veteran and, and rookie. I'm particularly not in the camp where if, if we do draft a rookie in the second round at safety, who can immediately step well, in and start producing, that would be fantastic. Yes. We need to, we need to build through the draft. We need to get a safety through the draft, but I don't want to put ourselves in a pigeonholed situation where we absolutely in the second round have to pick a safety no matter what's on the board. You know, kind of like yeah, we no, are, kind of like we are with, kind of like we are with tackle right now. I just don't want to put ourselves in that situation. Um, and so I'm, I'm with you, Michael. I would love for Ha Ha Clinton Dix and free agency sign Ha Ha. If we can get him for some, you're saying around six million dollars, I would be all on that train. That would be fantastic. We just need a long term option at safety because even this Carl Joseph deal, it's a one year deal, right? I would Demarius sign Randall's still out there. I'm not suggesting that I want that. It just never but happens. But it could be a one-year deal for stopgap. Yeah. I don't think anyone in Cleveland wants him back, but um, he is kind of like the next, the next tier. All right, like Michael. With, with Clinton Dix. What, what would you pay Ha Ha Clinton Dix if you say, we need a long-term option? What would you pay him? Like, where I mean, is I would your love, threshold? I'd love to give him like a two- or three-year deal. That is averaging around six million dollars, and I would definitely not go. Would you pay much more than that? No, 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 no. I wouldn't. Why? Because I don't think he's good enough. Pay, and I don't think there's market there for him to make eight. I think six and a half would be about as most I would do. We have a ginormous hole, and he is a good player. If it takes seven million dollars, he's like to an get average to Dix. above average. He's like an average to slightly above average. Player. He's the best free. He's the I best safety. Much. He's the best safety yeah. free agent that exists. Seven though, would you pay seven? I'm saying six and a half is the is where where I'm comfortable. So six point six is a no go. <laughs> Definitely not. No. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm, We're talking I'm about hundred million dollars. Can you imagine if someone paid you hundred million dollars for your for your job? They should. That's a big difference. <laughs> I'm terrified of this hole that we have at safety, and I don't want to put it all entirely I'm more on te- the draft. I'm terrified at, at safety linebacker too, and equally at linebacker. All right, so we we signed B.J. Goodson. Not Death. really. It's a Michael said it best. That's a, a Darius Taylor, yeah situation. It's maybe a Darius Taylor plus, like as a best case scenario. 
I mean, this is a guy that's like a Sam linebacker. He's a run stuffer. He's not going to be playing coverage snaps for the Cleveland Browns. And so he's not going to play that many downs. He's going to play clear running downs. And it seems like his skill set is very similar to Sione Takitaki's. Maybe Takitaki has more upside than B.J. Goodson. But, um, I mean, this guy I do not think is going to be a starting linebacker for the Cleveland Browns. He's more of a depth special teams, maybe push Sione Takitaki type player. Like, that is kind of all that you're looking at here. Now, granted, we need veteran bodies at linebackers. So, like, I'm not – don't hear me as complaining. Like, I'm glad – We've got somebody in the fold to fill out that room, but we need a little higher quality bodies in that room, I think, at this point. At least one more like solid veteran that we can feel good about. Matthew, you got any thoughts about B.J. Goodson? I have zero. I, I um, didn't know B.J. Goodson existed until about two hours ago, so I have no thoughts. I'm reading his Wikipedia now. There we go. Drafted That's- out of Clemson, fourth round. That is absolutely fine. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about is other free agent signings around the league, specifically the Ravens. Freaking Ravens. If I wasn't, if they weren't in our division, I would have so much respect for the Ravens and the way that they go about their business. (laughs) I mean, I do have that respect, but it's like hard to like really appreciate it when you have to face them twice a year. It's like so frustrating. Um, I mean, they protect their comp pick model. They go after these tra- It's just like beautiful, like what they can do. The fact that they are getting Calais Campbell, who is a oh, such a good defensive end. Like, and granted, he's older. He's I think he's thirty three right now, and he's got a year left on his contract at about fifteen million dollars. If I've and they signed that. him to a two year twenty seven million dollar extension. They did. Yeah. Um, but they only had to give up a fifth round pick. They paid almost nothing to get the guy. It just, it, I can't imagine that the Jaguars really shopped him around. Like, how in the world was there no one else around willing to pay more than a fifth-round pick for Calais Campbell? Um, I am not looking forward to playing against that entire Ravens defense going forward. It's quite frightening, actually. Their secondary is so good. And now their front seven is even better. And they franchise tag Judon. Matt Judon. Yeah. Which is funny because he was a off the scrap heap free agent. But he was nasty last last year. No, he was good. But he's coming back from Chicago. Was he? No, no, no. You're thinking of somebody else. Judon's always been on the Ravens. He hasn't played for anybody else. You're thinking of, um, what is his face? You're thinking of somebody else. You're right. You're right. Judon's always been with the Ravens. I was thinking of... uh, What is his name? uh, Pernell McPhee? No. That might be it. Is that it? Yeah. Um, Anyways. No, Matt, Matt Judon is actually the rare situation where like the guy like reached the end of his rookie contract and the Ravens actually decided to keep him instead of letting him go like they did with Pernell McPhee and going to the Bears and then coming back. Um, but he got his chance in the last couple of years and produced, and they're keeping him around. 
And there's rumors that they might trade him. Um, Judon? Yeah. That it's kind of <laughs> like the Anthony Harris situation where they're like, where they are tagging him f- to keep the option open to, to trade him. But um, I don't know. We'll see what happens there. All righty. That is going to about wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. There's no more free agents to talk about. And uh, we are trying to practice our social distancing. And we've been together in the same room for far too long. So we are going to wrap up the podcast. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Michael likes to tweet on the Twitter. Um, at Sin of Our Fathers. Um, send us an email if there's something you specifically want us to talk about. Sinofourfathers at gmail.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.